Please turn in your Bibles this morning once again to the book of Exodus as we continue this great journey of redemption with the people of God. They have encamped at the mountain called Sinai and they'll be there for some time to receive the Ten Commandments and God's instructions for them in regards to how they're to worship God surrounding the tabernacle and all those wonderful things that God blessed them to make, to use in His service. And there they are going to establish their covenant with the Lord. And this is our third message on the Ten Commandments. It's such an important piece in our in the history of redemption and in our experience as children of God. And we've looked just kind of a, overall at the law, how important that the Ten Commandments and the law is as a mirror to show us the holiness of God, but also the sinfulness of man. How that it is that great schoolmaster, that great teacher that drives us to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the end of the law for righteousness' sake. And we looked last time at the first four commandments and how that they deal with our vertical relationship. We have two great relationships in, in the world. We have a vertical relationship with God, and then we have a horizontal relationship with man. And that's why we said even the order of the Ten Commandments are important, aren't they? Because we'll never have a right relationship with man unless first we have a right relationship with God. And so the first four, they taught us about our relationship with God and the things that, that God uh, commands and, and deserves in regards to His name, to His day, to His being, to His image. And may we ever hold those in a special place in our, in our hearts. And so this morning, we want to look at the last six of the great Ten Commandments. And all these also are about having right relationships in, in our lives, right relationships with authority, right relationships in marriage, right relationship with possessions. That's what these are really all about. And I hope that as we go through these last six, um, of course, we want there to be conviction in each of these things in our lives because it's very easy for us to kind of get in a mode, uh, kind of a pharisaical mode that, well, I know what the Ten Commandments are and, and I keep the Ten Commandments. And probably in a general way, we've all learned how to do that in our lives. But we want to be specific today. We we want to not only look at the letter of the law, because the Bible says the letter of the law killeth, but we want to be shown and know the spirit of the law, because it's the spirit that maketh alive. And so what I'm kind of asking you to do as we go through, through this is for the Lord to reveal to you in your life, maybe where uh, that, that you need uh, correction, where you need instruction, where... The, where you need to uh, learn more what it is to obey these and to put these into practice in your life. But beyond that, and the most important thing is I want you to see in all of these the Lord Jesus Christ and how that he has kept all of these for us and is the great example in all of these things to us. That, that is so important because even at our best, and our best intentions, and our best efforts, we know that we will all fall short of the glory of God when it comes to perfect obedience. But I am looking forward to one day, as we have saying, to love God, to view God with an unsinning heart, and, and to serve Him in a perfect righteousness one day. Uh, Spurgeon said to him, uh, that's heaven itself, just to be without sin, in the presence of, of God, what a, what a heaven that it will be. Exodus 20, 
We'll begin in verse 12 and read through 17. Honor thy father and thy mother, that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. Thou shalt not kill. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear false witness against thy neighbor. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's house. Thou shalt not covet thy neighbor's wife, nor his manservant, nor his maidservant, nor his ox, nor his ass, nor anything that is thy neighbor's. So let's just go through and take a look at each one of these last six of the Ten Commandments. The first one, honor thy father and thy mother that thy days may be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. This commandment, beloved, is about having a right relationship with our parents. And beyond that, I would like you to write down that it's really about having a right relationship with authority. Amen? Because your parents are going to be that first line of God's authority in your life. And it's where you learn to have a right relationship with authority because authority and people are going to have authority over you beyond just your parents in your life. You're going to have bosses that have authority over you. Can I get an amen? <laughs> You're going to have uh, government officials that are going to have authority, police, um, people in government, uh, coaches, teachers, uh, this a lot of different things, pastors that will have a spiritual authority over your life, husbands uh, that will have authority over their wife. And this is all about having a right relationship with authority. And it begins, and God knew where it would begin. It would begin in the home, and it would begin with parents. And isn't it amazing? Isn't it true? That people that you see that have this right relationship with their parents and a right relationship with the authority that God has given to their parents, they rarely have any trouble with any other type of authority in, in their lives. Uh, women, uh, young ladies that learn how to be respectful and reverence their mother and father, uh, they transition very easily in, into the headship of their husband. Those that are taught this young and come to faith in Christ, they love the authority of the church. They love to be under the care, the instruction. Uh, they love their pastors. They reverence them. They honor them. And on and on and so forth. But isn't the opposite true as well? That when we find that there are children who are disobedient uh, to parents, children who struggle in the realm of, of being uh, submissive, uh, to the rule and authority of the home, they're going to have a struggle throughout their whole life in almost every realm of authority. So this is something that is so wise of God to put forth uh, to us, and it extends beyond just uh, the obedient to parents. But what this means, it means to hold your parents in high esteem, and it means to reverence them. Not only when you're a child, but also when you become an adult as well. This command does not end uh, over us. We see that so true in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll look at it in a little bit, how that he showed us this example when he was young. But also, even upon the cross, y'all remember, when he was bleeding and dying, he still honored Mary and saw to her care through John, it just touches me how that he, he loved her and, care, and cared for her uh, in, even in that moment that he did that. But I just want to say how thankful that I am in my life to have seen such great examples of this in my life, in a world in which uh, this teaching has gone uh, to the wayside in so many places, yet in Zion and in my life in the kingdom of God, I just floods to my mind of family and of church people 
that I have seen honor their mother and father to hold them in high esteem. It's being even done in our midst in this very moment in this church. And children, mark that well as an example and see the blessing of God upon it on both ways. You see, children, children that are raised in the nurture and admonition of the Lord, they are the ones that do honor their mother and father even to the old age, even to the hoary head. Isn't that wonderful? And that blessing that and that blessing of obedience as a faithful parent comes back to you as your children honor you even until your dying breath. And I've seen it so tenderly. Uh, I'll never forget seeing Regina care for Sister Joy, who, whose, whose daughter had already passed on, and the tender care that she showed over her grandmother. Uh, what a great example uh, to my daughters. Girls, I hope that y'all never forget that. I, I've seen my parents... Uh, taking care of of their parents Uh, so many of you in this room you've been so faithful to do that and wanted it a great blessing that they were there for you and now you can be there for them and one day in the Lord we'll all be together underneath the care of God because that's what that all reflects back to isn't it because who is ultimately our father it's God God Oh, and Jesus starts the Lord's prayer. Our Father, which is in heaven, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. He honored that relationship that he had with with God. And when God sees us honoring our father and our mother, when we are holding them in high esteem, when we are reverencing them the way that we should as children and then as adults, it brings great honor to God so much that God did not include promises even in the first four, which is our duties to God. Hallelujah, like we said earlier, there's blessings in those, blessings untold. But this meant so much to him and is so pleasing to God that he put a promise with it that those who are faithful in this, God said this, that he said that your days will be long upon the land which the Lord thy God giveth thee. He gave a promise, even with this commandment. He loved it so much. So it's just a great challenge to us. Uh, First off, as children, to obey our parents in the Lord. Uh, When does that stop? You know, the, the world or our society says, by law, you become an adult at 18. And and I guess by law, you could consider that you didn't have to mind your mom and daddy anymore. But let me, let, let's go to Brother Nathan's account of things. Is if you still are living in your parents' home and they're still paying your bills, then to me, you still owe them a great deal of respect and obedience. Now, when you're out on your own and you're paying all your bills, uh, then, you know, mom and dad's, words can become more advice that you could take or or not take, uh, but you should always uh, listen to it and, and think about it and, and sue them for the wisdom uh, that God has given them because there's nobody ever in this world that is going to love you as much uh, as godly parents will, and they're going to sh- try all that within them is to always try to help you uh, choose uh, the right things and for your life uh, to be blessed. You know, God was very serious about this command. Even so much, I don't know if that y'all understand this, because we really don't teach a lot about the law anymore uh, in our day. But did you know that failure to do this could have resulted in capital punishment? according to the law of God. I want to just show you that, just to show you the seriousness of it. Let's go to the book of Deuteronomy and go to chapter 21, just to see how serious that God was about this. Because we know that in our day, you know, children have become very disobedient, very disrespectful, and it's a shame to children and it is a shame to parents that that is the truth. I don't, I don't blame the children as much as I blame the parents 
uh, because it's, it's their duty to raise their children and, and to teach them uh, to honor them. Now, look at this in Deuteronomy 21, beginning in verse 18. If a man have a stubborn and rebellious son, which will not obey the voice of his father or the voice of his mother, and that when they have chastened him, will not hearken unto them, then shall his father and his mother lay hold on him and bring him out unto the elders of, of his city and unto the gate of his place. And they shall say unto the elders of this city, This our son is stubborn and rebellious. He will not obey our voice. He is a glutton and a drunkard. And all the men of the city shall stone him with stones, and he shall, that he die. So shalt thou put evil away from among you, and all Israel shall hear and fear. That's pretty serious, isn't it? Now, I don't know of anywhere in the scriptures where it's ever recorded uh, that that was done. But we see how serious that God was about this commandment, this fifth commandment, honor thy father and thy mother. And we know that this had fallen into great neglect before the Babylonian captivity. And I just want you to turn to the book of Ezekiel because the book of Ezekiel is about the glory of the Lord departing from Israel. That's what the whole book is about, that the glory of the Lord slowly departs from the land of Israel. And we have seen the, the lack of respect for authority in our society. It's shocking, isn't it? You're beginning to see these acts of violence on these subways or in these city streets where young people will just come up and attack people that they don't even know, people that haven't even done anything to them just out of disrespect, out of meanness, uh, uh, for fun. And so we see that the judgment of God upon our land, even in the um, <clears throat> lack of respect and for authority and for parents, uh, in our day that, that parents uh, are just disregarded when children become teenagers. You see all the TV shows. I made my daughters quit watching teenage uh, shows on TV because all the parents uh, were, were dumb and, and stupid and all the kids, you know, knew better and all the parents were morons. <laughs> in all the TV shows, I mean, every one of them. And... This has just led to a decim have a decimating effect in our culture. And so it was in Israel as well that this had fallen on hard times. And what I'm just trying to get you to see to make the connection that not applying this into the family and into the society, society led to their exile, led to the glory of God departing from them. Look at this in the book of Ezekiel. Chapter 22, look at this. This is very interesting. Let's look at verse 7. In thee, that's talking about their country, their society. They have set light by father and mother. In the midst of thee have they dealt by oppression with the stranger. In thee have they vexed the fatherless, and the widow. All these things that God had commanded and that were to identify them as the people of God and the people that had been redeemed and the people that had the glory of God in them. Part of what they had begun to do is just to neglect father and mother, to set light by father and mother. And so just flow down as a result of all these things. So verse 15 he says, And I will scatter thee among the heathen, and disperse thee in the countries and will consume thy filthiness out of thee. This is something that God is very serious about. Not just serious in the Old Testament. Let's go to one in the New Testament as well. Second Timothy, when Paul begins to describe the last days and the time before that the Antichrist would be revealed and he describes this group of people that are going to be in the world, that are going to be opposed 
uh, to God and, and opposed to Christian people. And look at this list, and it is an interesting one of the phrases of the types of people that are in this list. Second Timothy chapter 3. This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, proud, blasphemers. Listen to this. Disobedient to parents unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce makers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away. So that's a pretty wicked list of people. And right there in the middle, did you notice disobedient to parents and sad to say that could those verses could almost be a commentary of about half of the society or even more than half of the society that we live here in among America but beloved let it not be so among us among our children and among our parents I I hope all of you that are young that you'll be determined that all that within you is that you'll strive to obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. That you'll also honor them, even in their old age. That you'll try to do everything that you can that's possible to care for them. Uh, now, now, sometimes people end up having bad parents, wicked parents. And there's a, a, a lot of things where our minds could go to in, in exceptions. And surely if your parent ever asked you or told you to do something that was contrary to the word of God, you would, you would be under the blessing of God to not obey them and to not follow their example. But notice that God doesn't say, honor your father and mother if they're the best parents in town or if they do everything right or if they don't have any faults. No, it's just a command, isn't it? Honor your father and your mother. And if you do that to the best that you possibly can, God says there's going to be a great blessing in your life for that. And it's going to be a great blessing for children who, who obey their parents in the Lord. And just to, to close this one up, so much more could be said about that. But, but I know that y'all understand that. And I just wanted to uh, encourage all of you in that and to thank all of you for how you are doing in that, and what a blessing it is to see. But I just wanted to just show you this in the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's go to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 2, when he was very young, and what it said about the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if there was anyone that would have had the right to just kind of go out on his own or to just kind of dismiss the wishes or the direction of his parents, it could have been the Lord Jesus Christ because he was the God-man. Because truly, he was the Lord and King over his own parents. He was superior in every way uh, to John, I mean to uh, uh, Joseph and to Mary. But we see how much that he strove for righteousness for us here at the end of Luke chapter 2. You remember that they had left him accidentally in Jerusalem and realized it. They came back. They find him speaking with all the elders of Israel, amazing them. And they come to verse 48. And when they saw him, that is Jesus, they were amazed. And his mother said unto him, Son, why have thou thus dealt with us? Behold, thy father and I have sought thee sorrowing. And he said unto them, how is it that ye sought me? Wish ye not that I must be about my father's business? And they understood not the saying which he spake unto them, showing the superiority of Christ even over his own parents. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth. Now, just let this humble all of us. And was subject unto them but his mother 
kept all these sayings in her heart. And Jesus increased in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. Oh, the Lord Jesus. What a great example. Even as a young person, even though his, the calling of his life was so paramount and his gifts and his wisdom far superseded any human being, including his parents, yet he made himself subject unto his mother and his father. And then I just want to show you how he cared for Mary. Again, this is such a touching scene, is it not? Let's go to the Gospel of John. Toward the end of that Gospel, this is John 19, I believe. John 19. Oh. Beginning in verse 25. That was at the beginning of the life of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was subject and honored his father and mother. Now, here at the end of his life, as he, he finishes the payment of redemption for all of us, now there stood by the cross of Jesus his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Cleophas, and Mary Magdalene. Here, these daughters of Zion are at the cross. When Jesus, therefore, saw his mother and the disciples standing by whom he loved, who we know is John, the author of this gospel, he saith unto his mother, Woman, behold thy son. Now, this could have been in two ways, couldn't it? He could, even as her own Savior, been uh, telling her to behold the sufferings, behold all that had foretold, behold uh, the work of salvation that was being accomplished. But it's, it's more than that. He is directing her toward John. He's, he's revealing to her, I'm, I'm not going to fulfill this role as your son anymore in this world and, and in time. But I'm, I'm caring for you. I'm honoring you. I'm, I'm uh, going to ask John to care for you in my stead. And do you all know that the Apostle John did this all the rest of his life and days? It's recorded that he even took uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, with him to Ephesus when he pastored the church at Ephesus, and they were both there together. He said, Woman, behold thy son. Then saith he to the disciple, Behold thy mother. And from that hour, that disciple took her unto his own home. Hallelujah. To see that great example in the Lord Jesus Christ. So, we want to learn how to have a right relationship, not only just with our parents, but with all the authority that God has put us under in our lives, and there's a great blessing for it. Now, let us go back to the next commandment. Back to Exodus 20. God turns, as it were, the focus of the commandments at that, that, that great connecting point, and now he, he focuses on another right relationship. He says, verse 13, Thou shalt not kill. This teaches us that God is sovereign over life. This command even against murder, because that's what this is about, thou shalt not murder. Uh, it even predates the law. Let's go back to the book of Genesis chapter 9 very quickly and see this, because we know that this was a problem for the very beginning, wasn't it? Because the first two brothers... In the world, Cain and Abel, Cain rose up and slew his brother Abel. And here in Genesis chapter 9, I want you to see that this even predates uh, the law and that God is sovereign over life. What was man before God breathed into him the breath of life? Was he a living thing? No, he was just dirt that had been formed. And it wasn't until God breathed into man that man became a living soul. God is the Lord of life. He giveth all to life. There's nothing in the universe that has life except it is a gift from God himself. 
who is the Lord of life. And here in Genesis 9, if you've turned there, 5 and 6, he says, And surely your blood of your lives will I require. At the hand of every beast will I require it. And at the hand of every man, at the hand of every man's brother, will I require the life of man. Whoso sheddeth man's blood, by man shall his blood be shed. For in the image of God made he man. So the Lord is teaching them here. This is against all the different kinds of sides that there are. Suicide, emphasize, genocide. Uh, God says, I give life and I take life away. Period. That's the end of the debate and of the discussion. And Jesus explains this even further in the Sermon on the Mount. Let's go to the Gospel of Matthew to hear the Lord of life speak on the matter and on, on this very commandment itself. Now we know that the Lord is not talking about defending oneself in self-defense. We know that this command is not talking about the taking of life uh, in war. Uh, God made exceptions for all of those things. This is just about murder is, is what it's about. And the motives even behind murder. He teaches against sinful hatred even here. Matthew chapter 5, if you've turned there, let's look at verse, let's go to verse 20. For I say unto you, that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter the kingdom of heaven. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, Thou shalt not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. We know that the scripture says in another place, that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. But listen, Jesus gets down to the spirit of it. And this is what I want us to really consider this morning. But I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Raka, shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, Thou fool, shall be in danger of hellfire. What is Jesus saying here? He's saying that if you let your, your anger become a hateful anger, that, that you're committing murder. And that's where the motive of murder and what will cause murder to come out of you. So it's very important for us to learn how to control, subdue uh, an angry heart. The Bible tells us that it's not so much sinful to be angry, but to be angry in what? And sin not, right? Because there are things that we should be angry about. And even Jesus expressed uh, righteous indignation as a man when you saw him clear out the temple with uh, that that whip that he made and overturning uh, the tables. But what he is teaching us here in this commandment is that human life is sacred. It's sacred from conception until the very moment of death. And God said, life belongs to me. And His command over us, His command over us is to protect it. To nourish it, beloved, and to enjoy it. That's what God expects from us from his children when it comes to life, to protect it, to nourish it, and to enjoy it. God says, thou shalt not kill. The seventh commandment. Here God expects sexual purity from his people. He says that thou shalt not, verse 14, thou shalt not commit adultery. Here is having the right relationship in our marriage. First, the marriage relationship is paramount over every other human obligation. A lot of people don't understand that, but it's true. And you uh, miss out on blessings <clears throat> for your own marriage 
and for your children if you get this priority wrong. This is what happens a lot of times. People get married, they fall in love, they get married, and then they have children. And then they put the priority of their time and of their love into their children, even over their marriage. You're doing a disservice on both ends. You're doing a disservice to your marriage, and you're doing a disservice to your children. And you're dishonoring God. Before, the marriage relationship is the closest example of the relationship that we have between Christ and his church. And always remember, gentlemen, that you're a husband before you're a father. Always remember, sisters, that you're a wife before you're a mother. It's very easy, especially easy for mothers, uh, to do this because there's so much that's required and you have such a natural love for your children. But I've seen so many women do this to the harm of their children and the harm of, of their marriage. They focus so much on their children or the man will focus so much. He can do this with his job. And then they neglect their own marriage. And, and uh, then we find so many cases when the children have go are gone, the parents get divorced because there's no more marriage, because they've lost each other in their pursuits of these other things. And so God here is demanding sexual purity from his people, especially in the bonds of marriage. That's something that is sacred, that uh, we should um, hold in, in such a precious place. Uh, when we make those vows uh, on our wedding day that we promise to each other uh, to love that person only, to have them, to, to hold them, it's not just a promise to them, it's a promise to God. Uh, as well and it's and it's so important and and all society really hangs or or hangs or falls on the application of that and that's how powerful that it is but beloved less less we let things slip secondly we know that this is not limited just to an overt act but to the passions behind it and Jesus was so clear in his teachings about this as well. He said, you've heard that it was said that you shouldn't commit adultery, and that's true. He said, but I want to go deeper than that. He said, if you even look on a man or woman to lust after them in your heart, he said, you've committed adultery already. So this is something that, <clears throat> is, that the devil is so cunning on he he gets so many people uh, to fall and and to do damage to their lives and it, and it goes beyond just marriage. It's talking about all kinds of sexual impurity that God wants us uh, to abstain from, whether we're single or married. It's so important to flee fornication. The Bible uh, says uh, all these ungodly sexual practices that. Uh, are in our society today. They, they flow out of a disregard for this commandment that we not commit adultery. And we must learn to remove ourselves from this destruction. Just to give you some thoughts from the scriptures, Peter would say, abstain from fleshly lust that war against the soul. John would say and command us to make no provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. I love what Job said. He said about that he made a covenant with his eyes that he would not behold a maid. Now, the world will call you a prude. The world will uh, make fun of you for trying to maintain purity uh, in your relationships, but God will honor you. God will honor you. And I want to challenge all of you young people to choose God's best and to have God's best before you're married and after you're married. You'll never regret it. I tell you, beloved, that it's one of the most beautiful, sweet, precious things 
that you can ever know this side of heaven to know that joy. To know that joy. And that's all I, that's all I can say is take God at his word and be blessed in obeying him. Beloved, a lot of people think that the flesh is just too strong. That we can't have victory in this area of our life. But it's not true. For greater is he that is in you than he that is in uh, the world. You, we can have victory. We do have victory over our flesh through the spirit of God. And we see, again, the great example of the Lord Jesus Christ in this. And other great examples of scripture in this. Both men and women who gave us uh, wonderful examples of obeying this commandment, of keeping God's commandment. Thou shalt not commit adultery. We think about King David. What an incredible man that he was. You think that God would say about you that you are a man after God's own heart? The sweet psalmist of Israel, that man that danced before the Lord with all his might, but he wasn't careful. And he began to fail in his responsibilities as a king. And you remember, it was time for the kings to go out to war, but David stayed home. And then he went up on his housetop, and through the lust of his eyes, he saw Bathsheba, and he not only committed adultery, but he coveted uh, as well. And he sinned before God and then tried to cover it up and, and lie about it and the devastating effects that it had. Now, hallelujah, hallelujah, God forgave David for that sin. And hallelujah that God and all of us in here I know have fallen in this regard. We, we failed in in regards to the fifth commandment. We've fallen in regards to the sixth commandment. And hallelujah, there's forgiveness with God. But let me tell you, beloved, with adultery, God says that there's a, there's a stain and there's a shame about it. It says that it never goes away. It never goes away. Now, hallelujah, it's forgiven. But in life, the consequences of it remain. And it's tough. It's tough. It's just part of what God has, has determined that things should be. But you know, because of David's sin of adultery, even though he was forgiven, the consequences, you all know them. Bathsheba lost that child, and then the sword never left from the house of David. So let that just be a great example and warning to us and let us not think ourselves strong or to think ourselves better than other people that have fallen in regards to that you're not better than anybody i'm not better than anyone if i stay true to my wife it's by the sweet grace of god that he kept me because satan is so cunning and and crafty and he can get anyone at any time if he could get david he can get you and he could get me so, Lord, help me not to commit adultery. Help me learn to have a, have a pure heart and to be satisfied with what you have given to me. The Eighth Commandment is about our right relationship with our possessions, uh, about private property. And men today are trying to even destroy that. Uh, this next commandment, the Eighth Commandment, thou shalt not... Still, um, we must understand, and God is teaching us, that there are boundaries and limitations to us in our lives. There's just things that don't belong to us, that are not ours. I'll never forget playing golf one time, Brother Kevin, at Kossuth, and it was on uh, number two. I hit my drive, and it went off to the left and into a field, and I was over there, and I was looking for my ball. I was hoping that I could find it and still hit it. And I saw a ball in the grass, and my heart left up. I thought, oh, man, you know, I'm not going to have to take a stroke. And I went over there, and I picked it up, and some joker had wrote on it in magic marker, not yours. <laughs> but that always has stuck with me. 
that there's just there are some things God has given to me things that are mine that are mine lawfully that he has given to me but then there are things that don't belong to me you remember the sin of Achan oh that terrible sin right when he saw the Babylonian the Babylonian garment when he saw the gold and the silver that was in Jericho and nobody was around and he had gotten away with it and he took it and he hid it underneath his tent and he caused all Israel to sin and to be defeated. And the tragedy of that sin when it was uncovered, Achan not only lost his life, but his wife and his children, they were all destroyed. And how this sin, if left unchecked, it grows and multiplies with every commission. Don't cheat. Don't defraud. Don't gamble. Don't extort. Look in the New Testament. Just one scripture for this. I know you all understand this. But it's so easy to get caught up in it. Fudge on my taxes. Uh, you know, slip something in the, the bag at Walmart in the checkout line that nobody can see. You know, because nobody checks you out anymore. You just check out your your own and I want you to know of two two I'm not going to mention any names of course but I know of two school teachers uh, one was an older lady like mama your age destroyed her career as a teacher she was arrested at Walmart because they have caught her on uh, on video multiple times just stealing a little bit here a little bit there and she got caught once and had to pay fines, and she kept doing it. And she had to uh, resign from her teaching position in disgrace over it. And then uh, a young teacher your age, Gigi, also caught up in this uh, terrible deception, uh, hiding uh, credit cards from her husband that he didn't know that she had. This is all, in a way, stealing and and defrauding and cheating. And oh, how the devil loves to get us caught up in his webs. Oh, if, if in any way, beloved, as we go through these things, if you can think about things with your parents, ask God to forgive you. Uh, or if you're not honoring them the way that you should, do so. And in regards to all being in your life, it might be pornography, it might be, you're letting yourself be too free in your physical relationships uh, before marriage. Or, or maybe it's you've got some friend that's a male or female that you're texting inappropriately that you shouldn't. All those are all the beginnings of a sin that will destroy and a flame that will burn out of control and hurt and wound. All the while the devil is laughing. At us all. Oh, may God help us and save us all from ourselves and from our weaknesses. 2 Corinthians 8. Here it is. Very important here. Verse 21. Here's the positive of it. Providing for honest things, not only in the sight of the Lord, but also in the sight of men. May the Lord bless us to keep the Eighth Commandment, have a right relationship with our possessions. The Ninth Commandment, Thou shalt not bear false witness. Being people of our word. There's been great de debate among theologians about which commandment that man has broken more than any other. Uh, of course, most people say, well, it's the first commandment. and then, But a lot of people say, well, it's got to be the ninth commandment. Because the wicked are strained from the womb. As soon as they be born, they go their way, what? Speaking lies. It's almost a natural thing for us. I've never seen a child had to be told or taught how to lie. 
They know. Right? They have to be taught and trained how to be people of their word. And that's what this is all about. God wanting us to be a people who love the truth by living it and defending it. Now this includes slander. This includes gossip. This includes tailbearing. This includes false flattery. Many forms. I ask you, who is the father of lies? It's the devil, isn't it? And who is the father of truth? It's our God. I want you to just turn to a couple of scriptures. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand if you've told a lie before. <laughs> I ask you to purge yourself, right? You take the Fifth Amendment, right? We know that we are prone to this terrible sin. Even to just white lie or to say one thing and to do another is a lie. To just, you know, to just shave the truth. That, that's what I found so deceptive in my own life. To just to be telling a story. And instead of just telling the story exactly like it was. Say I, I was telling a story about a basketball game I played in that nobody cared about. That nobody remembers. And that nobody could even know if I was telling the truth or not. But I know I scored 24 points in that game. But I'm telling the story. And it turns into 34. Right? Does You know, to make myself look a little bit better. Or to maybe try to improve on the truth. I remember what granddaddy said. He always cracked me up. He said... It was when he got older, he said, I always try to tell the truth. He said, sometimes, Brother Bobby, you'll appreciate this. He said, sometimes I just have problem remembering what the truth was. <laughs> now, that can't be helped sometimes when you get older. But y'all know what I'm talking about, about embellishing things. And it can get into a habit. And it can dest actually destroy your witness. Because people will catch you in that. And you'll look like a fool. You'll look like a fool. Here in 1 Samuel, have you turned with me there, 15, 29, listen to this about our God. And also the strength of Israel will not lie nor repent, for he is not a man that he should repent. God has never lied in any way, right? God is not a man that he should lie, neither the son of man that he should repent. And God is a God of truth without iniquity. And so we want to be people of truth, to be people of our word. Uh, John eight forty four, just to show the contrast as we begin to close John eight forty four, we know we see Jesus talking here. And trying to tell people why that they aren't believing his word. Why they're not following him. Oh, so plain. John eight forty four. He said, Ye are of your father the devil. And the lust of your father ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. And abode not in the truth. Because there is no truth in him when he speaketh a lie he speaketh of his own for he is a liar and the father of it and then the last commandment the ten commandments you know you can actually make physical laws about all the other commandments but the ten commandment nobody has you can't legislate this you can't find this because it it goes down to the intentions and desires of the heart that are only known to the individual thou shalt not covet that means you shouldn't inor inordinately desire something someone that doesn't belong to you so as we said thou shalt not steal is about having a right 
relationship with our possessions, thou shalt not covet is about having a right relationship with our desires because our desires are a huge part of who and what we are. Amen? We are all driven by the desires of things that we need, of things that we want. And God actually gives positive commands about coveting that we are to covet things that are good and things that are right. But we're not to covet what we have not been given. We are not to be uh, discontent with the blessings that God has given to us. This deals with our internal desires of greed. This, this is really focusing on the greed of man and of discontentment. This is about trusting that what God can give me is better than what I can get for myself. Do you trust God is what this is about. Covet. He would tell us in 1 Corinthians 12, 31, covet, earnestly covet the best gifts. Desire the good things of God and be content with what you have. Paul would teach us that godliness with contentment is great gain. There were just a couple of scriptures that really have spoken to me through my life about these things and and brought great change into my life and and different focus in my life. And only the scripture can do that. So I don't know where you are in your life with these. This is really an internal check for every one of us. I know myself. And I know my own heart, even though it's deceitful and desperately wicked. Who can know it? I've been living with myself for a long time. I know where my weaknesses is. I know where my struggles are. And you all know where yours are. But it's not so much about, I found in my life, I'll just say for me, it's not teaching myself or forcing myself not to love things that are bad. That has never been that helpful to me. But learning how to love the things and pursue the things that are good and holy and right, that's where I found my help. That's where I found my freedom and my blessing in. And in doing that, I have found the pull and the strength of those things to, have, to fade away. It's kind of like they're always there. They're always there nagging, but they don't have their strength. They don't have their power because my focus and, and my love and my heart are in these things. So just want to point you to these things. These are the things that I'm going to show you that have encouraged me. Go to the book of Galatians chapter 5. And we know these things as the fruits of the Spirit. These are the things that I would encourage you to covet after. To want to have every day. And, and to have them in fullness as much as you can possibly have. Because there's a caveat in here at the end of this list to me that is so beautiful that so many people miss because they know the fruits of the Spirit and what they are. But do you know at the end the Apostle Paul says that against these there is no what? Law. There's no law against these things and the pursuit of them. And what are they? What are these things, Brother Nathan? Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such, there's no commandment. There's no commandment for forbidding us Obtaining as much of those things as we possibly can. Also be in hot, white, coveted pursuit of those things, beloved. And then this verse, I'll never forget Brother Jimmy Fulmer preaching a message on this. And it touched me and it meant so much to me. It's actually when I kind of turned away from listening to secular music all the time in my life. I, I kind of like with secular music, I was kind of like, well... 
I don't listen to really bad stuff. I just try to, you know, pick out the good songs, and it's not all bad, and kind of that whole <laughs> compromise life. And I'm not saying even that that's all wrong, but I just came to a point to where I was just like, you know what? I just don't want that in my life anymore. I, I want to put things in my mind and in my heart that keep me closer to God, that keep me focused more on things that are eternal and things that, that really matter, things that, can I say it this way? I think that y'all will all get this, that lift you up instead of pull you back down. And so he read this verse and it really set me free. And I'm going to close with this. And in thinking about the keeping of the Ten Commandments. Verse 8 of Philippians 4. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are true, whatsoever things are honest, Whatsoever things are just, whatsoever things are pure, whatsoever things are lovely, whatsoever things are of a good report, if there be any virtue, and if there be any praise, think on these things. May the Lord bless you and keep you is our prayer. Thank you.